Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Ultras. It's the final episode of Cricket Ultras from a memorable year,、uh, and I'm joined by two podcasters who have both been past clinically fit. Darren Burns, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Arun. That was a very, very sort of you know morbid kind of opening. I thought a bit, a bit lackluster. Are you feeling okay today? Would you rather? I, I mean, clinically fit is a good thing, isn't it? Compared to being like clinically dead. I'm doing my endurance tests. Oh, excellent! Also joined by Toby Doman. Toby, how are you? Are you more clinical or more fit?、Um, I'm planning on having a.、Uh, I'm planning on lunching well over Christmas, so I might be clinically dead after this. Let's see. But yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you?、Mm, it was an an odd choice of words by the BCCI. Uh, they passed Rohit Sharma clinically fit. I'd only ever heard <laughs> this formulation used when someone is clinically dead. Yeah, <laughs> but they said he needed to work on his endurance and <laughs> basically the other aspects of fitness, other than, other than clinical fitness. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? So they call him clinically fit, but he he's been told to work on his endurance. So poor old Rohit, right? Isn't that fitness? Poor old、though? Rohit's been singled、yeah. out, hasn't he? He's, he's, he feels feels like a sort of chastised schoolboy, I guess. It's been a kind of a comedy of errors the whole way. I think no one really knew what was going on. There was various、um, conflicting reports about his injuries, and then he turned up and started playing at the end of the IPL when no one expected him to. Virat Kohli and Ravi Shastri both came out on the record to say they were. Very confused and were not impressed by the communication. So I feel like maybe because of that, the BCCI is chastising Rohit, and they said, "Yes, he's fit or, or he's alive,、uh, but he needs to work. <laughs> he needs to work on his endurance." Anyway, he's expected to be in Australia, I think, for the final two tests. Yeah, correct. Which is good news for India. So we have a few things to get through on. Today's show, obviously, we have the big heavyweight bout starting tomorrow in Australia, India v Australia. We've got what do we call it? A bantamweight bout, New Zealand versus West Indies.、Uh, we've got a bubble burst. It's a bit harsh on New Zealand, aren't they? Joint number one at the moment, <laughs> bantamweight bout. They, they are, but <laughs> not not like this podcast to、uh, to be harsh on New Zealand at all. Never.、Um, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Middleweight, <laughs> cruiserweight. Uh, we've got a bubble bursting in South Africa.、Uh, we've got the emergence of Kyle Jamieson and other、uh, very tall cricketers.、Uh, we've got some goings on in Yorkshire and Bangladesh to review.、Um, but let's start in Australia, Darren, where the first Test match is starting tomorrow in Adelaide. Is that correct? Correct. It'll be a pink ball day-night Test match in Adelaide starting tomorrow, Arun. And the Australian camp, of course, are in complete disarray with a whole bunch of injuries and stuff. Yeah,、so、we'll、let's start there, Darren. Let's no, let's start there. I mean, how how do you feel about the Australian team?、Um, a lot of injuries. Steve Smith going off with a back complaint. Cameron Green concussion. Talk us through it. Well, I think everybody was kind of looking forward to the young opener, Will Pukowski, getting a chance.、Um, And of course, he was just concussed in the, in the、uh, Australia A game versus India.、Um, Will Pukowski has scored two double hundreds a season. He's on absolute fire.、Uh, he ducked into a bouncer from Saini, I think,、uh, which hit him flush on the side of the helmet. You know, this young guy is 22 years old. Has been concussed nine times. 
So he's been concussed in AFL. He played AFL uh, as well, which is Australian rules football. He's been concussed in the field at cricket. He's been hit in the, hit in the head while fielding uh, and batting as well. So he's been concussed nine times already. And people are saying, you know, that's, that's a lot, right? I mean, nine times major concussion at that young age. Is he ready for test cricket? So he's up with concussion. He won't play. Uh, and then, of course, David Warner is injured, so he won't open the batting. The other ba- opening batting option, my namesake, Joe Burns, is in horrible form. I think he scored about 65 runs this season in, in Sheffield Shield, averaging about seven, a bit like David Warner well, last got, year in the Ashes. Yeah. Um, he got a pair in the first warm-up and then I think zero and one. Yeah, he looks one. all at sea. Um, so so he's, he's, he might play, though, I think, still. Um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and then, of course, you had Cameron Green, who was concussed very strangely by Jasper Bumrah. Now, Jasper Bumrah was actually batting at the time and smashed the ball back to Cameron Green when he was bowling and smashed him in the head. Hit him flush. Um, yeah, hit him flush. Yeah, so ca- that was a, that looks nasty. Yeah. That one I saw. I was I was watching yeah. that. And that right in his really follow bad. through, full blooded drive straight in the side of the face. Now Cameron Green is this young gun, you know, twenty one year old. He's one one hundred ninety eight centimeters. He bats, he bowls. He's on fire with the bat this season. Uh, they're saying he's going to be okay. They said the concussion was quite mild and precautionary uh, treatment, but he seems to be okay. So he looks like he might make his debut. So Australia really that top order is in complete disarray. And I guess we can talk about what I think will be the starting 11, but it's a lot of con- conjecture in Australia. Every man, woman, and dog have an opinion on who should open and how they should shuffle the order around. So that must be quite comforting to the Indian team, I would think. I think that the absence of Warner is not unwelcome. He's got a fabulous record against India at, at home in particular. He's got an amazing record at home. He really sets the, the tone for the Australian innings. His absence from the last series was uh, was was welcomed. And the fact he's not playing is definitely a bonus for the Indian team. But he's only out for one match, I think. Is that right? It's to be discussed. I mean, TBD at the moment. Uh, it looks like one match, maybe two. Yeah, and then Steve Smith's back complaint. Is that a concern, or is he likely to well, play? Well, I talked him up yesterday, didn't I? I think he seems to be okay to play. He's having a hit today. He's got he's got an elite back. He does have an elite back. Um, yeah, he'll have a hit today, and if, if he comes through it, I'll put him in the team, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just really interesting. I think the both teams have real selection issues to ponder. Australia's are far more unforced, aren't they, they are. in a way, because they, they're not in control so much of what's going on. And it seems to be down to uh, Burns and Wade and or perhaps one other Labuschagne or, or someone else to open. I don't know, what. who do you think will walk out if, if Australia win the toss and bat? Well, yeah, I think it's, it's thrown them into a bit of disarray. I mean, I think if Warner was fit and Pukowski was fit, they might have gone with Pukowski and Warner or Burns and Warner. There's been talk, they've brought Harris into the team who's, who, who, you know, done okay, but not great. But but it seems to be the male at the moment is really gravitating towards Burns and Matthew Wade opening. That'd be a big risk. Uh, but either way, I think they don't have many choices. What, I think what they're trying to do is stabilize the rest of the team. They're not trying to shuffle the batting order around, bring too many people into the team. Because I think, as you pointed out, I think Warner will come back maybe the second test, maybe the third. So I, I'd probably say that Burns and Wade will open. I mean, that's I me. Mean, Wade against the new ball. You know, he bats number three for for um, Tasmania. So he, he does have top order experience. But yeah, that's a big, big step up for him. But he's in great form. We saw that in the T20s. 
and the ODI, he's in good form, but that's, that's white ball cricket. So let's see how he does. And then the rest to me is quite set. So I think we'll have Labashain at three, Smith at four, Head at five. And they'll probably go with Green. If they pick Wade to open, they'll go with Green at number six. So he'll get his debut. If he comes through the concussion, of course. Then you have the rest of them are quite set. It feels like they've been there for three or four years. You've got Payne, then Cummins, Stark, Lyon, Hazelwood. will make up the 11. That's what I think they'll go with. What do you think? I agree with that. It sounds to me like they're leaning towards Burns and Wade. Yeah. To open. But he just looks in horrible form though, Burns. He just looks like he can't he can't buy a run. But you know, he, he has the experience. So yeah. he might go with him, right? He's got experience, but I mean he's got experience, but his average isn't great to begin with. That's 40, 39, so it's not terrible. But yeah. But he, and he does he has batted well in Australia, so I don't know, it's a it's a risk for sure. Like you said, he looked all at sea. Shami and Bumrah both looked in very good touch in the warm-up games. They really they really bowled well. Um and I think a lot will rest on that 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 middle triumvirate of Labuschagne, Stephen Smith, and Travis Head. I'm hoping we see Cameron Green. I think the other option is 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 Moises Enriquez. Is he an option at six? Yeah, for some reason he's to be pulled into the squad. I don't really get it. Um, I guess they want to get people into the bubble just in case, in case somebody gets sick or gets injured. I think they have to be in that bubble environment to play. So they've got just going and erring in the side of caution, you know. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. So, yes, yeah, a lot of instability for Australia, but like you said, their bowling lineup and their wicket keeping is very, very stable. It will be the exact same lineup, you know, that part of the order that played against uh, India two years ago. Yeah. You know, they're all in pretty good nick. I think Hazelwood, Cummins, Cummins uh, in particular, I thought looked really good whenever I've seen him. Hazelwood um, is, is always consistent. Starks. Missed some time for a family bereavement, but he's been in good form. And, you know, Nathan Lyon's record, especially in pink ball tests, is superb. So I, I actually feel Australia have a little bit of an edge with the bowling, especially given that India are missing Ishant Sharma, who's become such a key part of the bowling attack. So the Indian question marks, um, who will their third seamer be? Uh, and most likely it will be Umesh Yadav, he bowled well. Yeah, he bowled well in the first warm-up game. He missed the second one, but neither of the others, Mohammad Siraj or Navdeep Saini, uh, really looked like um, they were ready to uh, to play. There's been some talk about India going in with four quicks. I think that would be a mistake. I think they should always play a spinner. Yeah, and apparently with, with pink ball, it's quite difficult to you know to look at this, read the seam if, if you're playing spin. So you kind of always see this, you know, the spin rotating. That's why Nathan Lyon does quite well with a pink ball normally. I think. He does, but I think I remember reading something like the average for spinners on in pink ball tests is like fifty or sixty. That's even with Nathan Lyon averaging twenty five. Oh. But I think what so no one else takes wickets yeah. with the pink ball. No other spinners anyway. Interesting. If that, I didn't re- I didn't know that stat, but yeah, they could go. Saini to me was just I, I I felt I saw some of the game and I, I think he was just didn't really know which length to bowl. Like he wasn't sure where he was going to bowl. Like he would be either too short or too full. But he might he might be okay. Yeah, I mean. I would be. I would feel more comfortable if they drafted in T Natarajan, who looked really good in the T Twenties. I don't know if he's a test bowler, but he 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 looked amazing in the IPL as well. I think he he's a real find for the white ball. Yeah, team. I mean, he, re- he reminds me a little bit of Jasprit Bumrah's emergence, and whether he can translate that into the longer form, who knows? But for India, in terms of the bowling, anyway, um, I think Ashwin will play. You know, it's it's come down to him or, or Kuldeep Yadav because Ravindra Jadeja is going to miss because of concussion. 
uh, as well. And and but we can maybe talk about concussions at some point because it's becoming a, a really uh, recurring issue. So, but anyway, yeah, Ashwin, I, I think will play. What about your order? So, so what is your sort of likely eleven? How do you think they'll start? Well, the big the big question for India. I mean, we know um, we know three, four, five, six. I think very settled now. Uh, Chetashwara Pujara. Virat Kohli for the first test match at least, Ajinkya Rahane and Hanuma Vihari. Vihari batted really well in the warm-up game, scored a, a, a very solid century, and he's looked very good over the last couple of years since he made his debut in Australia two years ago. Uh, the big question marks for India are at the top of the order. They have to pick two batsmen, and the four contenders are uh, Mayank Agarwal, uh, Prithvi Shaw, Shubman Gill, and K.L. Rahul. And... I think Mike Agarwal is the incumbent. He will play. I think he should, yeah. Uh, and then so it comes down to one out of Prithvi Shaw, Shubman Gill and Rahul. And I I think it will be Prithvi Shaw. I think it should be Shubman Gill. Um, I don't know if you had a view on that. I think Darren, it should be seen them both Shubman back. Gill as well. I, I hope they, they give him the nod. I mean, he just looks like he has a better technique. I hope so. And Prithvi Shaw, for some reason, seems to want to play a shot at every ball almost. It just doesn't look like he, he's got the... He's got the temperament just yet. So Shaw looks like... Yeah, he's not. he doesn't look like he's... Exactly, exactly. He doesn't look like he's thinking clearly. Yeah, and Gil looks like he does have the temperament to play a long innings. He just he looks like he can play a long innings. And he's also much more graceful than Prithvi Shaw, of course. But he seems to have that technique where he can leave well, defends well, kind of knows how to score, where he can play the short ball. Yeah, I, I kind of like him. I think they should, they should blood him. But they might go with somebody seasoned. Like, they might go with Rahul, right? Well, I actually think they're leaning towards Prithvi Shaw. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, but I mean, look, you, you can't always decipher the, the noises coming out of the Indian camp. Um, <laughs> no, you Prithvi can't. Shaw could have, like, he could have broken both legs and, and we wouldn't know for a few days. There's a sense that they want to stick with Prithvi Shaw. It may be that they want to hold back Shubman Gill to take the number four spot when Virat Kohli jets off after the first test and they don't want to move him around the order too much. I don't know if that's necessarily a great idea yeah maybe um but but that's the question mark for India. the other question mark is who keeps it's down to uh you know everyone's favorite babysitter Rishabh Pant or Rhythm and Saha and actually it sounds like it's going to be Rhythm and Saha uh, and not Pant even though he scored a despite the hundred despite a, a, a yeah a typically barnstorming hundred in the warm-up game that I don't know they just don't seem to like Rishabh Pant you know they just <laughs> well let's be honest Saha's a way better keeper than Pant He's, he's a much better keeper, but I don't know. Punt is so exciting. Yeah, but do you need, you know, you know I think it was sort of Gavaskar was saying, do you need the best keeper in Australia where, you know, mostly most of the time he's standing back, the wickets don't turn very much, so you don't need to be that skilled? It's a good question. But Saha, you know, he can bat as well. So he's, yeah, he's a very good batsman. He batted well in the first warm up game. I think they were very impressed, the, the Indian think tank, by Saha's performance in the first match. And I think they thought Rishab Punt's was kind of easy runs against declaration bowling. But it, you know, it just kind of comes back to this. They seem to dislike Rishabh Pant. He doesn't get any praise. He's kind of perpetually criticized for everything he does. He's a good, bit, he's a good chirper as well. He brings a bit of, bit of energy to yeah, the field. He, but even that, it's almost like he, they, don't, they don't even like that. They just, I don't know. They find, it's very faint, a lot of faint praise for Rishabh Pant. But like in the same, same boat as Rohit, right? Yeah, a little bit. I think Rohit has has got a lot more money in the bank in terms of uh, <laughs> trust in the accomplishments. bank in the trust bank. It reminds it reminds me a little bit of Sri Sant, um, the kind of attitude towards Sri Sant. So that's where we are with the selections. Toby, 
What do you make of uh, of this this India vs Australia series, described by the Guardian's Jonathan Liu as the the heavyweight bout in world cricket? <laughs> it's an exciting one because these are the, the two form teams in Test cricket at the moment. I've just been reading a little bit about this um, Will Pachowski guy. Great hair, by the way. I like I like her. Yeah, good selling. It's, it's, it's good, obviously helping to to stop some of those blows on his head as well. I mean, nine nine concussions is is a is a question mark around technique, surely. And uh, I did I did see his latest bop on the head, and, and he did sort of lean into a and it was a nasty delivery, rising ball. But he's obviously a talented lad. But there's you know you would expect people to be peppering him when he's back in the side. So interesting. Um, I think these are two pretty well matched sides. But given Australia's injury concerns in the test side which surprised me actually I thought they were well settled and I just started reading around it this week um, lots of problems so India could have a chance here to put their foot on the jugular Yeah, India have got to start well because uh, with Virat Kohli leaving after the first test match and and potentially Warner coming back I think the balance really shifts back to Australia at that point um, just on concussions it's, it's probably worth a, um, a little chat about this because there have been a lot of concussions, first of all, and they seem to be affecting top-order batsmen more than lower-order batsmen. And, and, and Sunil Gavaskar was asked about this on in an interview I was watching, and he said he thought it was down to this this forward press movement a lot of batsmen have now. It's quite fashionable that... that I mean, all, all of us here will be fully aware of this, of trigger movements when we're at the crease. And, you know, it's that kind of... You, you make that forward movement um, so that your weight is going forward. Uh, as as your first movement, and that, but apparently that makes you more prone to to um, or, or it makes it more difficult for you to get out of the way of to a walk back. Of a, yeah of a short pitched ball yeah uh, and this seems to be a problem. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think I think there's also another school of thought. You know, I was listening to, to re- reading some of the, some of the commentary out of Australia, in that these days it's considered, and if you don't take the short ball on, you're considered kind of like not a real cricketer. And back in the day, a lot of people just wouldn't take the short ball on. They'd evade the short ball. Now it's almost like a macho thing. You've got to take the bowler on. And if you're not taking them on, you're not scoring a shot, right? You're not scoring runs. If you remember Steve Waugh, he, he totally yeah. eschewed the, the pull and hook shot, Sachin right? Sachin Tendulkar would very rarely take the short ball on. Brian right. Lara too. It's a, a skill in itself, right? A, a good leave of a short ball is a skillful thing to do. And now it seems to be a dying art, maybe. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So I think... You know, people are saying, you know, the helmets, they'll, they'll ban short pitch bowling. But I think if they ban short pitch bowling, that really does a disservice, especially to test cricket. I think it's really going to suffer. I wonder if the T20 game has also uh, had an impact here. Because if if you get it right, you can score a lot of runs off short pitch bowling. You know, there's, there's kind of the flicks over fine leg and the ramps and all that kind of stuff. So it's become like a, 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 a reasonable percentage cricket shot. But... The risks, the downside risk is so much higher, of course. Yeah, because yeah, I think good technique is really setting yourself up to play it, then deciding if you're going to play it or not. And you can you can get out of it either way. But I think at the moment they sort of fo- press forward maybe and look to play it and then they find it hard to evade it, right? So I yeah, don't know. it's got to be but, a, concern, um, a concern though. I mean, for, for Will Puchowski, I mean, you know, nine concussions is a lot. <sighs> Ravindra Jadeja, I mean... <sighs> The Indian team's attitude towards concussion seems to be to wave them off. He only was examined after the the uh, the match referee, I think, insisted upon it. I mean, you're supposed to, you're supposed to. I've been concussed myself, and you're only supposed to have two really before it starts to become a bit more of a serious question because you know, semi permanent damage can can follow. If you're having nine, 
That's, and he's only 22 and he's only just starting his career. How many more is he going to have before he retires? This is crazy. Yeah, big issue. Yeah, it's a big problem. And I would be surprised if we didn't see any actually in, during the series. Um, but anyway, Australia, India starting tomorrow. Looks like a great contest in the offing. I just hope we get good cricket, honestly, and, and, and no, you know, massively one-sided matches. But, you know, has the potential to to just bring some sort of uh, positivity to what has been quite a tough, you know, year in cricket. Not really that much, um, not really that much great cricket and, and a lot of challenges um, for the cricket world. Uh, maybe let's go over to South Africa now, Toby, where recriminations are flying <laughs> about the, the, the bursting of the biosecure bubble. Uh, the bubbles always burst eventually, don't they? But it, it happened. Um, not not unsurprisingly, at some point in the calendar, something like this would happen. Let's have a quick word on the cricket before we move to bubbles. I think the it was a short series. It was supposed to be a T20 and a one-day one series in South Africa. Um, and we only got through the T20s. It was a 3-0 sweep for England, David Milan. And Joss Butler sharing a world record stand of 167 at Newlands. Uh, he, Milan, finished 99 unbeaten and somehow at the top of the T20 batsman ratings for the season. Um, I, I must admit, I don't know how they calculate those, but congrats to him. But after this match, and there'd been a stop-start as well around the um, a rescheduled event at Pal, um, but unfortunately the bubble did burst and England uh, decided they would like to return to the UK. Um, and that's really it started a, an unseemly sort of discussion between administrators. I think at the time of the decision to stop the series, uh, I was reading that the you know, relations between Cricket South Africa and the ECB were cordial. And since England have departed, they've become less cordial. Um, and I think uh, Zach Jakob, who's the interim chair at the CSA, remember CSA in big trouble, you know, budgetary issues, and they've been... been fairly rudderless in recent months. Zach Jakob is uh, taking his role with gusto and uh, has suggested that uh, the English were sort of a bit soft, really, and were a bit negative and told reporters, I think, last week that the, the tourist attitude was poor. He said that the South African team and, and administrators had gone through their protocols. They thought they were good enough. Uh, that both teams were staying at the Vineyard Hotel in Newlands on different wings, that there were some stories creeping out that England maybe have taken a net session on some nets which were not approved and played golf, you know, breaking the breaking the bubble playing golf. And there's some suggestions that South African players have been outside of the bubble. So you don't know who to yeah, believe. Yeah, having a braai. They had a braai, apparently. A good braai. Um, and I think Ashley Giles had to stay back um, with two players that were quarantining as well so it's it's ended a bit messily it's a problem for South Africa because it calls into question future tours they've got South, uh, Sri Lanka scheduled to play two tests uh, early next year uh, sorry Boxing Day and then Australia um, Australia are due to play, be there in February March now th they've saved a bit of money I think there's about a million and a half US dollars worth of broadcast cash on this series which I think will be replayed again at some point, which means that the CSA retain that cash. But it's going to happen again in different countries. And England move on to um, a tour in the subcontinent, which could, could pose some issues as well. So interesting to see how these go, but it's the first real bubble burst, yeah. I guess. It was, um, yeah, it did, it did kind of descend into acrimony with lots of, lots of leaking, lots of briefing and counter-briefing yeah. going on. Apparently, they're also 
staff that were serving in the hotel that were serving both groups. Whereas I think in England during in the bubble that they'd been, you know, the staff had been separated uh, for each team. So yeah, there seemed to be a lot of crossover and sort of cross contamination. Yeah, you, you can't have there. a dry buffet, can you? You can't. No, you can't. Stick with the biltong, the dry beef. Tough times, man. Tough times when you can't even have a braai. Um, you would think the ICC could come out with kind of uniform biosecurity protocols um, that every country has to follow. Maybe they have. Maybe they weren't followed uh, in this case. I'm not sure. To show you how, how serious they're taking it in Australia, there was, um, you know, during the, the big bashes on now in Australia, um, and a couple of the Brisbane Heat um, players were under investigation for, for a COVID breach. Uh, Chris Lynn, you might know him, former Australian gun in white ball cricket. Dan Lawrence, the, the England player who's playing for the Heat. Apparently, they went too close to the crowd at one game and took a selfie. Uh, and because they were too close to members of the public, they were quarantined and asked to separate themselves from the team while they waited tests. So you see, it, they're taking it very seriously in Australia. So even small things like that, when you have full crowds, right, in the stadium, are being taken quite seriously. Wow. I, I think I think players are getting caught breaking that they should be forced to, to field at fine leg and third man for the entire game, uh, just for social distancing. Run, you mean <laughs> run from long on, <laughs> run from long on to, to long leg every, yeah. <laughs> after every over. <laughs> I used to do that to some people when I was captaining. <laughs> Terrible. I always, I always end up having to do that. By the way, do you? Yes, I that's do. terrible. Well, captaincy. I quite like it. It's good fitness because otherwise, you yeah, know, it is actually. <laughs> you wear your tracker, right? If you but just had a six-over spell, though. <laughs> even, even given my six-over run-ups, yeah, it's it's still actually the only exercise I get when I play cricket. So, yeah. You call those overs? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move over to New Zealand, where uh, the world's... Are they the second-ranked team in the world? I think they are, right? They're a tie with Australia, they're aren't a they? Tie, they're a tie with Australia. They walloped the West Indies in the first test match at the Basin Reserve. A big centre for Henry Nichols, um, and just some excellent bowling, as usual, from the New Zealand pace attack, uh, in which Kyle Jameson was particularly prominent in just his fourth test match he looks like a real talent. He's uh, he's taken a, a bunch of wickets already, and he's he looks like a very good batsman too. Does uh, anyone have any strong views they'd like to discuss on Kyle Jameson? He's tall. Yep, he's tall, and and well, actually, that's a good segue. He can bat too. He can bat. Yeah. He can actually he bats, can bat. bats quite well, doesn't he? He's a good um, batsman. Yeah, yeah. His average is like forty or something for the year, isn't it? So he's um yeah he's really burst into the scene, hasn't he? He looked good last year as well when he debuted. When New Zealand toured Australia, he looked great. Yeah, I think he's been dubbed a, a, monst- a monster in the Australian press. Apparently, this is an interesting little side note that I think after his success, I think he had some two two really good games earlier in the New Zealand season, uh, celebrated with a stretch limo ride up Mount Victoria in Wellington, which uh, must have been a very stretch limo given he's uh, six foot eight. Well, he'd need one, right? He'd need one. He is, he is the tallest player to represent New Zealand. And New Zealand, of course, have previously had uh, Peter Fulton, who was pretty tall. And it comes in the same week as I first caught a glimpse of Cameron Green. And that really surprised me. I did not expect Cameron Green to also be six foot eight or so. Wow. Um, only because usually these top batting prospects are, uh, are, are, more, are more on the compact side. Um, 
and, and you know the, the tall the tall players are often bowlers. Uh, so I, I I look through some of the tallest players to play cricket, uh, international cricket in particular, and most of them are bowlers. So you got Muhammad Irfan, who's obviously seven foot one. He was just huge. Joel Garner, big bird, six foot eight. Um, Peter George, Darren, you might remember him, six foot eight as well. Boyd Rankin, six foot eight. A lot of six foot eights. Chris Tremlett and Stephen Finn, six foot seven. Kurtley Ambrose, six foot seven. Suleiman Ben, six foot seven. Jason Holder, six foot seven. Tom Moody. So almost all of them are bowlers. Very few batsmen who are uh, who are up there. Uh, so I just thought that was an interesting one about Cameron Green. You know, the, the conventional thinking is if you're a taller batsman, it, it may hurt your balance. Doesn't seem to be the case for him. Just a quick one back to to New Zealand. I was just looking through some of their bowling stats. I think one of the the, the sort of impressive things about their being tied now in the test rankings has been their bowling. And they're, they're going through something of a golden age, aren't they, in terms of their quicks. Um, and now with Jameson potentially joining them, you know, he's he describes them as Tim, Trent and Wags, does Kyle. But, you know, uh, Southie's been around for a while. Uh, Trent Bolt is this, you know, superb player, good, really good control. And, and Neil Wagner's really um, useful across all formats. And so... You know they've they've done well off the back of these bowlers. And there's Lockie uh, Lockie Ferguson, who's not in the Test team, but he's I think still the quickest bowler on the circuit. They're good. Right and, and Southie is about to join. Oh, there's a little quiz question for you um, as it's the end of the year. Southie's about to join. He's about ten short of the 300 Test wicket club in New Zealand. Who are the other two members of said club? Richard Hadley in New Zealand. Hadley and Danny Morrison. Uh, Arun. Richard Hadley and so 300 test wickets for New Zealand. Yeah, bowling Denny. Daniel, yeah. yeah, Denny. Danny. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, but his average is terrible, isn't it? I mean, not terrible, his average was, was high. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was, it was, terrible. It was not terrible. It was 30. like 38 or something, his average. Really? Yeah, it was, it was pretty high. It's pretty high. Look it up. Look it up. It was a tough one for him. When you're bowling on vegetable patches, I think, as a left-arm spinner, it can be difficult. So we got. I think we've got one more test. Uh, here we go. His test average was 34. There you go. Yeah. Not far away. Yeah. Not far away. One question I had for you, uh, both of you, do, do, you know, there's been some coverage of this. Do, do we think this is New Zealand's best ever test cricket team? Yes. Hmm. Well, if you look back over the years, has it ever been ranked number one? I, I, I don't remember any time that it was in my life. I don't, I mean, was it? there was that I period in the 80s where they were pretty good, you know, when they had Richard Hadley and others. The Crow, the Crow brothers. <laughs> Martin, Martin Crow, yeah. <laughs> there we go, the Crow brothers. John Wright. John Wright. There's the problem with New Zealand, right? Compared to what they have now is they would always have one, you know, like, Nathan Astle or McCullum, you know, they have one or two really decent players and then backed up by some, you know, decent-ish journeymen. But this team, they, they've got quality Jeff throughout. Rutherford. Yes. Ewan Chatfield. Yeah. <laughs> so that, if you look what they've done in the World Cup, right, they made the final of the World Cup too. So it's not just tests, it's, it's, it's white ball. You know, I'd say it's definitely their strongest team. So if, if New Zealand beat the West Indies, and I think they're playing Pakistan afterwards, right? And if they isn't that series finished? There's only two tests, right? New Zealand West Indies. Yeah, I think mercifully there's only two. Okay, tests. right. So they're playing Pakistan next, which is another two test series. Right. And right. the way the scoring goes, you get more points 
for wins in a two-test series than you do for winning test matches in a five-test series because you get the points averaged, which is weird, but whatever. But it means that if New Zealand beat Pakistan 2-0, then India have to win five of their uh, eight test matches, I think, after the Australian series, if I'm not mistaken, to make the final uh, in, in, Ju- in June in Lourdes. So, which is not by any means a foregone conclusion. They've got England touring, you know, which I think is three or four tests, and then they've got another series. England have an outside chance of making it to the final. Um, but, you know, it actually looks like New Zealand are going to get there, and it's going to be Australia and New Zealand um, at Lords in June. At Lords, Yeah, mm. which will be an interesting one. I mean, it'd be pretty amazing if New Zealand won that. Yeah, it'd be great to actually go and watch that game. Mm, it'd be awful if they be lost good. it, like, on the last ball or something. You know, overthrows. I wouldn't mind that. Oh, that would yeah, be terrible. Like, the bat of God uh, <laughs> going for four, whatever. That would be pretty horrible, wouldn't it? Back at Lords. All right. So that's New Zealand, uh, West Indies. Shall we move over now? We've got goings-on in Yorkshire, Bangladesh, and we've actually got a long walk back as well with the retirement of Parthiv Patel. But maybe let's go to let's go to Yorkshire, Toby. What can you tell us about the uh, this the, the 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 racism row, which uh, which is kind of engulfing uh, Yorkshire County Cricket Club? Yeah, Ebi Gum. Uh, it's something we talked about on the podcast maybe a couple of episodes ago, and it's an ongoing issue that Yorkshire County Cricket Club are dealing with. And just for those that, that don't remember, of listeners, uh, this involves a former player, Azim Rafiq. Uh, who claims that he and a number of other overseas players witnessed racism during their time at the club. Um, it's escalated now to the to the level that Yorkshire are uh, involved in an independent inquiry. That inquiry was told that racism was indeed witnessed, and this was backed up by former employees and players, including Tino Best and Rana Navid Ul-Hassan. Um, and, you know, it, it sounds like there's a real culture problem. They said, you know, there's a, there's a quote here from Tom Bowery, who's a cultural diversity officer at, at, at the board up until 2011, saying many youngsters found the dressing room difficult and unwelcoming. And those that, that did speak out were labelled troublemakers. You know, there's, a, there's, there's fairly unpleasant language which has allegedly been used. Um, you know, players uh, whose names were difficult to pronounce were called Steve by other players that even included India's uh, Chishawa Pujara was also called Steve yeah that was a big thing yeah there was like there was all these kind of affectionate stories about it I, I recall at the time and it's escalated this week actually because uh, Mr Rafiq has decided to uh, pursue uh, sort of legal grounds against the club the, the the inquiry is due to to be heard in early 2021 so I guess we'll we'll have to wait to see what that inquiry, that independent inquiry, I should say, um, shows. But it's potentially a watershed moment for county slash club cricket globally, um, where there's some issues like this. Because I, I do hope this is an isolated incident, but you 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 just wonder, don't you? Yeah, the stories coming out sound terrible, um, but actually don't don't sound all that surprising either. It's just things like forced drinking and you know a lot of, a lot of things that I think probably cricketers from that part of England are, are somewhat accustomed to, quite sadly. But yeah, I, I'm not sure about Yorkshire's response either. I know they're having some sort of a, of a review, but it hasn't, hasn't really been kind of widely praised, I don't think. 
No, they've they've basically said that, that there's an inquiry ongoing. We're not going to uh, to talk about it until that has been heard. But also the you know, the usual stuff you'd expect. You know, there's no places, no place in cricket for racism. Um, but nothing stronger than that so far, dealing with these specific allegations. So I think we'll keep an eye on it. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again, unfortunately. Okay. Let's have a quick, a very quick discussion of Parthiv Patel's retirement. So at the at the ripe old age of 35, he has retired from all cricket, played 25 tests for India, uh, 38 one-day matches, um, I mean, the interesting thing with him, I think, is that he burst onto the scene in 2002 at the age of, uh, what was he, 16, 17. Uh, when he, I think he was 17 when he made his test debut. Well, actually, was he 16? Anyway, he was considered, you know, everyone thought he was going to be India's wicketkeeper for the next 20 years. Yeah. Um, looks really good when he came on the scene. And a tour of England helped uh, India survive a test match in Nottingham, and then he he played um, quite big roles in their, you know, victories in Headingley and then uh, in Adelaide in 2003, uh, and also when they won the series in Pakistan in 2004. But at the same time, his wicketkeeping deteriorated so rapidly that within a couple of years of making his test debut, he was out of the team, and uh, a guy, uh, MS Dhoni, suddenly emerged. And and that was that, really. And he, he kept making comebacks. He became a when he started playing, he couldn't hit the ball to the boundary. That was always the thing. He was just just not strong enough in, in many cases. Um, but he became a really effective T20 player, oddly enough, who opened the innings and would find the boundary regularly. Uh, so he had a, a slightly longer ODI career. He had a, a fab, fantastic domestic career. He won the Ranji Trophy um, with Gujarat. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a curious kind of career. He, he'd made his international debut before he'd ever played a Ranji Trophy match. But it was in the Ranji Trophy, I think, where he really had most of his success. And anyway. What does a player like him do in India after retirement? Because he's not one of the, the stellar retirees like we had with uh, Mr. Mr. Dhoni. But what does someone like that do? You know, Do they go into TV or do they do coaching? What, what's the path? I think all of the above. It's all the usual stuff, isn't it? TV, yes. Coaching. Uh, maybe he has some kind of endorsements. Uh, he's 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 definitely not at the the top tier, like you said. I was a little bit surprised he retired. I mean, he I think he could still. There's a lot of T Twenty tournaments out there um, where he could probably make decent money. But but yeah, he's decided to uh, to call it a day. Hang up his boots. He um yeah he finished something I read about him too. I didn't realize he, he finished in the top five. First-class run scorers in in India, and only was it I think was him Jaffa, Pajara, Tendulkar, and Gambia that scored more runs than he did. I didn't know he was that accomplished as a batsman. So yeah, what a pl- yeah player. he became a, a run machine in domest- Indian domestic cricket, and he actually became a run machine. Yeah, but he became much better known as a batsman than as a wicketkeeper. It was his his whole career was kind of upside down. You know, he started off as a as kind of pure wicketkeeper in Test cricket, and he ended up as a, a a very consistent batsman in domestic cricket. So I think he did well to, to figure out a new career for himself once his his, his keeping fell off. Um, I think he will move into coaching. I've heard he's, you know, I think he's very highly rated in Gujarat, obviously. Um, and I suspect there will be there will be plenty of opportunities for him. Uh, and he's considered a, you know, he's got a good head on him. 
as people say. So I suspect <laughs> good head on his shoulders. Good head on his shoulders. Yes. Mm. Let's, let's be clear okay. about that. Um, so, so yeah, right. Let's go to Bangladesh where it will shock you to learn there has been more misbehavior, more disciplinary issues in Bangladeshi cricket. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, former Bangladesh captain, Mushfikur Rahim, <laughs> just just having a bit of a meltdown um, during a T20 Cup eliminator. Uh, he plays for Beximco Dakar during a match against Fortune Barishal. Did, did, did either of you catch the events here? Some of the images were quite funny, though. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be quite, quite miffed, didn't he, Rahimi? He looked a bit like he was having a, a bad day at the office and just stressed out. He started to lose the plot. I think there were a, a number of mistakes were made um, by his team in the field. And he started making threatening gestures towards players <laughs> <laughs> on his team. And then, and after about three or four of these, these things, uh, he, he lost it completely. Uh, one of his teammates, I can't remember what, what his name is, um, Nasum Ahmed, collided with him lightly, apparently, uh, while Rahim was taking a catch. And uh, this is when he lost it. He threatened to throw a punch at um, the unfortunate Ahmed. And anyway, he he declined to make an apology at the post-match presentation, but he did apologize the next day on his Facebook page, and he has been docked 25% of his match fees. Not the first time it's happened in Bangladeshi cricket. Probably not the last either. So there you have it. Yeah. Inspirational captain. Inspirational. <laughs> Leading from the front. Yeah, indeed. Right. So I think that I think that's pretty much everything except for hand signals, Toby. Well, it's look, I'll be quick because I mean after a punch up in the Bangladeshi domestically, you can't really follow that, but I'll I'll be quick. I mean, just a just an interesting aside from the uh England South Africa series. It seems to be a new way of communicating with Captain Owen Morgan uh, has been trialled by England's analyst, who is also part-time analyst at the Multan Sultan Warriors. His name is Nathan Lehman. Nathan Lehman has been using alphanumeric signals, which uh, have been cleared, by the way, by uh, match officials and anti-corruption officials as a resource the captain can choose to ignore or. Uh, or use and it's really weird it's just like two sort of clipboards put over the side of this sort of balcony with like the l- number two and the letter b god knows what that means joss butler number two judge <laughs> <laughs> come on in number two have a go um uh, joss butler was just saying that, that uh, you know great banter joss was that uh you know lehman was calling out the euro millions numbers and the lads were just checking their tickets um but yeah, who knows what this all means and whether this is going to be a trend. But an analysis is obviously a big deal in cricket, increasingly in the short-form game. So who knows if other teams will take it up. I think the funny thing is you have to remember what the, all the signals mean, right? Like this 2, 3, 4, E, you know, like this different numerical and, uh, and alphabetical sort of like mixtures of the, of the code, right? So you have to remember what it means. Yeah. Maybe you have to get out your little But this has been, uh, this is all allowed, unlike... When Bob Wilmer and Hansi Cronje, <laughs> as you might remember, right. when Hansi Cronje took the field at the '99 World Cup, that was hilarious with an earpiece. Cheek, cheeky. I mean, that was uh, that was tremendous. Well, I guess they can't do it during reviews, right? Like they can't do it during a review yeah. period, right? I can't imagine that. Like allowed. I guess there's yeah, 
I can't. I mean, yeah, I it's, not, like it's not. It's not. It's not. Remember, Steve, was it Steve Smith who got into all that trouble? Yeah, looking up to the, to, the, to the dressing room, right? Looking to the heavens. Um, um, I just wonder, you know, you could... It's ripe for abuse, though, in other ways, isn't it? I mean, you could send messages out that have nothing to do with the cricket. Like, like say, a bowl, bowl of no ball. Yeah. No, well, a no ball or even just... I'm about to put on a bet, bowl of no ball. Uh, or which pub are we going to? Yeah, well, how, many, how many sugars in your tea? <laughs> two, two, tea right. two sugars in your tea, Erwin? I mean, you could rate, you could rate the shot out of ten. <laughs> number two is roast beef for lunch. Uh, you know, number three is pork. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a good shot. Yeah, there's there's myriad options here in terms of what you could do yeah, with them. It's just funny because it's so old school, right? It's got kind of guy standing there with this kind of like flip flip pad kind of thing, right? It's not very high tech looking, is it? No, that's. But I guess yeah, right. That's the other thing. But I guess right now they do a lot of these messages when they run out. You know, gloves and helmets every over, don't they? I guess that's what happens. Maybe it will when running out help, those things. Um, the South African team, when they're having to calculate, uh, you know, how many runs are needed or whatever to avoid the, you know, Duckworth Lewis. We've seen that. That's a particular challenge for them. So. Yeah. It reminded me of the uh, the very fun, uh, the, the baseball scene in Naked Gun, I think it is, where they use like sort of... Uh, like sort of <laughs> lights that that naval vessels will will use to communicate on the fields, Morse, etc. Yeah, quite funny. All right, excellent. Where will it end? Excellent. Mm. Where will it end? Right. Do we have anything else from either of you? I think there's a real problem in cricket right now. We can talk about it maybe on another episode about slow overrates. Like the the T Twenty games in Australia are getting longer. They had a problem during the ODI series, the White Walk series. You have people coming in after after each over, changing their gloves and helmets and getting a drink and stuff like that. I think it's a real problem in cricket at the moment. It's really slowing the game down. Yeah, they, they were talking about this during the warm-up game. There was a lot of grousing going on. It's the kind of thing that ex-cricketers love to criticise. I mean, they love nothing more than criticising overrates, uh, which always makes me wonder... In what my the, day. What the, exactly. What were the overrates, what were the overrates like... In your day, when you had five West Indian fast bowlers trundling in, um, but yeah, you're right. It is. It is. A, it's a big problem. Um, I think. It, I think during the India Australia tour game, it was really bad, wasn't it? They were getting through yeah. like ten overs an hour or something. I mean, it was yeah, it's just, crazy, it was, right? It's terrible. Yeah, it's not right for the spectators, the fans, and we do represent the fans here mm. at Cricket Ultras. We do. Some, something must be done. I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have solutions in the next episode, maybe. Let's. Let's have some innovators. We're problem solvers. Some innovation. And innovators. Yeah, we are. <laughs> some innovators. Yeah, we are. I'm sure we can figure it out. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much. As I said, last last ultras of 2020, uh, a year to remember or forget. We hope all of our listeners um, have enjoyed our shows this year. Hopefully you all um, are well and safe and you get a good holiday break and holiday season. So thank you. 